Welcome to the ASHG Trainee Paper Spotlight Podcast. I'm Lucia Hindorf, and along with my co-host Andrew Marterstein, we'll be bringing you the science and the stories behind outstanding papers written by ASHG trainee members. You can find these papers or nominate your own paper on the ASHG website at ashg.org by searching for Trainee Paper Spotlight. Today's episode features a paper by Kritika Singh, published in Nature Communications in July 2021. The title is Integrative Genomic Analyses Identify Susceptibility Genes Underlying COVID-19 Hospitalization. Kritika is a graduate student in human genetics at Vanderbilt University, where she studies complex diseases using computational tools and large genomic datasets. This study focuses on a transcription-wide association study, or TWAS, approach to identify genes associated with COVID-19-related hospitalization in large cohorts from around the world. You'll also hear about what motivated her to go into genetics, what it was like to work with collaborators from around the globe, and about a mentoring program that she started. And now, on to the interview. Hi, Kritika. Thanks for joining us. Could you tell us about yourself? So I, well, as you mentioned, my name is Kritika Singh. I am a fourth year graduate student at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. I study in the labs of Leah Davis and Emily Hodges. And my broad interests of research are understanding the genetic architecture and the functional biology using large-scale genetic and genomic methods and tools are like studying neuropsychiatric traits and their physical health implications using large-scale genetic and genomic tools. So I'm, yeah, I'm interested in like complex disorders, highly polymorphic or polygenic conditions and conditions that are harder to like diagnose uh, and usually don't have one starting point. So when we think about like these conditions that are hard to diagnose. How did you first get interested in that in the first place? I've I've always been interested in the field of genetics. uh, And I did get to explore Mendelian genetics a lot during my high school years and my during my undergrad. But I wanted, I personally just wanted to understand what advantages can this field offer in understanding complex diseases. And some of it like goes back to like my childhood when so I, I I mean you can't probably see that on screen but I'm pretty short uh, so I, my height is no more than like four feet ten inches and that that's because my bones fused pretty early on and what happened was the doctors kept going back and forth oh this is the reason we can do this this is how we can increase our height yeah 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 but it I think that was what like led like that just like not being able to grow taller was what led my interests into this field of like complex traits. And it I, I did not realize it until a very, very long time until I started, I came to Vanderbilt and started thinking about dissertation research and what actually my interests are. But I, I think that was one of like the seeds that like just channeled me into this field. That's really interesting. So in 2021, you published a paper in Nature Communications on risk genes for COVID hospitalization, which is a really timely topic. Can you tell us about the study and how it originally came together? Yeah, so 
this, I mean, as as you can see from the author line, it it was a study across like I would say like six or seven different groups globally, and this study was co-led by me and another postdoc at Yale, uh, Geeta Pathak, who's also who's so the co-first author of this paper, and our senior author is Nick Mancuso, who is at University of Southern California, and so we were all interested in the same question. And we all started working on this separately without knowing each other. I, I had not known these folks and I had not met them before we just dived into this paper. But the COVID AGI consortia leads has these calls every month or every few months. It, it was every month at that point where like, you know, that group was just being set up where they were doing like, they were meta-analyzing genome-wide association studies across different sites globally. And during every call, they would ask for like, you know, if people had used their results, if people had other results and wanted to present. So like for every call, I would say there were at least like 10 to 10 different small groups would come and present our findings. And that is how all of us met. So Nick Mancuso was presenting his findings. I was doing similar work. So I reached out to him and then in like in the next or in the yeah in the subsequent call Geeta was presenting her findings exactly the same work and that's how we all collaborated and like started off with this project and I and I think the biggest advantage we thought of working together was because we all had access to like different resources and it would I mean at if we weren't working together, we would have been competing with each other on the same results and same findings. That's super exciting to see all these different groups come together for this project. So I wanted to ask, what was it like to work on a large interdisciplinary project with a team that's spread across the country? I I mean, apart from the time it took to schedule calls because we had collaborators in Australia and all the way to like California, and just like finding a good time, I think it was a lot, lot of fun. Uh, this was also the first time I was I was the lead author on a manuscript. This is also my first first author publication. So I feel like I personally just had a lot to learn, like how to like even start drafting a manuscript. And Gita and I have become like really, really good friends through this process. But I feel like she actually had the most to teach me in this in this entire journey and I think the other thing that that's really that was really important for me in terms of her was she's a senior postdoc at Yale and she's also a person of color she she also grew up in India so it I could just feel it, it just felt right to be like be in that company and I, I feel like you can't be what you can see so it I, I felt like I had some sort of direction that sounds like a great environment um, to learn from. I was wondering, were there any other challenges or surprises when conducting this, when you conducted the research, any unexpected detours that ended up shaping the paper, either scientifically or in the team setting? I, I, I would not say there were any detours. I mean, there was the basic, just like follow-up questions of signs. Uh, I think the only one part I could think of was when we were trying to validate our results, because we're already using such large uh, genomic data that if you want to validate or replicate your findings, you need even a larger cohort. So just thinking how we can translate our findings to different biobanks and I'm, or like resources which don't exactly collect the data as we do here or which don't have exactly the same type of data. I think that was just something we all had to wrap our 
uh, heads around. And the other thing that was pressurizing a little bit was the time construct of this. Since, you know, COVID was, it, I mean, we started this study on like, I would say like end of May of 2020. And at that point, we there was not enough literature out on COVID. And I mean, things have changed in these past two years. But yeah, the only other thing was we really had to like get going on this and we had to get going fast. Yeah, it's such a... It was such a grind when COVID first started, like everything was going so quickly and um, we're all just trying to, you know, get out of the pandemic. Uh, I'm curious if you have a particular viewpoint of what you think of human genetic studies in in COVID or in future pandemics. Um, curious if you have any particular viewpoint there. Of course, like genetics is is very important to study just because that is the one thing that it it's more or less constant throughout your life, right? Like we have epigenetic changes that we talk about. We have environmental factors that change your genetics or modify it. But your DNA, until unless there, there are like these mutations which directly change it, it will not change it. So I, I, I think there's a lot of power and it's a pretty dense resource. Uh, to be able to study. I The only thing, again, with any type of scientific study is you want to do it right. We have a lot of, uh, and that's, again, like, you know, you can apply this to a pandemic. You can also apply this to, like, a lot of other situations or a lot of other diseases and traits. I mean, you just want to make, like, very clear lines. Like, there is this whole, I don't know, like, dark spot of, like, embryo screening and whatnot and the ethics involved of that. And then we've clearly seen where like genetic testing and genetic counseling have really, really benefited patients. So I, I, I think there's a lot of power, but like every time there's power, there is more responsibility that you need to take. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. It's a great point. So what's next for you after this? I would hope to graduate in, I would say, a year to two, like a year or two years. That I mean, that's like my immediate next goal. I would want to continue my research in like complex traits if I can, or like particularly neuropsychiatric traits. What my exact next steps are, in which field, in which country, I, I don't know. But that's, I think, just the nature of science and just the nature of life that I, I mean, if one thing COVID has taught us is that we can't predict. So trying to not do that, but I really have enjoyed my PhD journey so far, uh, studying the genetics of complex and neuropsychiatric traits. And I, I would want to continue that further. I wanted to actually ask about uh, your lab environment. So you're in two labs at Vanderbilt right now. And so what has your experience been like as a PhD student in these two labs? And what advice might you have for other trainees in similar positions? Both my PIs are actually best friends. And I, I didn't know this coming into Vanderbilt. And I was looking at Vanderbilt as a school. I found two labs that I really like. Just their researches independently. And I emailed both of them. And they were, at that point, I had no idea. They were looking for a joint student. They had such overlapping interests. So as far as my experience has been, it just fell in place. It, and it just fell in place naturally that I did not ever have to think through. And like, I always joke about this thing and tell the story that Emily, we, we have a shared Dropbox folders where I put my results and both of them can see it. And it was called Emily and Leah results. And now it was 
changed to be Emily and Leah BFF forever results because they, they they're they're so thick. So for me, it's it's been a very it it, it has come together very organically. Uh, if I have to give some advice, I I don't know if I'm in a position to give. I I would say that for any lab environment to be maintained healthy and like for you to feel comfortable, you you just have to have boundaries. Uh, just like with any other thing. So you'll, you know, you have to have time for work and you have to have time for personal relationships in lab, but you also have to have time for yourself. So just, I think like sometimes we go very far on the colleague direction and like not on the friend direction and it's just, it, or like the other way around and it's just like maintaining that balance. Because if you're if you're going to be in a lab or in labs for five to six years, you'd, you, you would want to be comfortable and for me, the only way I can be comfortable is if there are boundaries. So one of the other things that you do at Vanderbilt is to lead a summer mentoring program. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, it, it's so I and another student who's I think now about to defend started this program back in twenty. 19 I would say was our first year and Vanderbilt has this program called Vanderbilt Summer Science Academy where we have students coming from undergraduate institutions across the United States to conduct research at Vanderbilt labs uh, for the course of their summer and what we do is like train a set of graduate students usually first and second years to go mentor these undergraduates and like we pair them based on their research interests but also on their personal interests on their hobbies on their backgrounds, on their cultural identities, and whatever the students want to be matched on. And the goal is just so that we can give them a sense about what life as a grad student is at Vanderbilt. And it's, it's a, this project is something that actually just, just keeps me grounded because it's, I, I, I love interacting with people. And it's, I think this like provided a good platform for me to be able to do that. I think we've run out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. This concludes our episode of the Trainee Paper Spotlight.